0: Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, we are in this entrusted season at the moment that God has given us of this but God season where we are standing and believing for more of the miraculous. Standing and believing for heaven to come to earth, and that is the kind of church that we want to lead, where we're not just going through motions on a Sunday, but every time we're believing for God miracles believing for Jesus to meet us and we're going to turn in our Bibles actually thank you amazing team Jesus I thank you that you are here today and I pray as I speak this word as I bring this word God that it wouldn't be my words but it would be your words that would penetrate hearts God I just pray you would challenge us I pray you'd stir us for more in Jesus name amen So, we're going to go to Romans 4, verse 18 to 24, and it talks about Abraham, the father of faith. And it goes like this In hope, he believed against hope. Don't you love that? In hope, he believed against what looked hopeless. And this is talking about, obviously, the promise that he'd been given to have a child to be the father of many nations. And as he'd been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. Which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old. Did you love that. Forty sounds good when you hear something like that. But when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God fully convinced that God was able to do what He had promised. That is why His faith was counted to Him as righteousness. But I love this part. But the words that was counted to Him were not written for His sake alone, but for ours also, that it would be counted to us who believe in Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So we, this passage is saying, we are called to be men and women of faith men and women of faith like Abraham, fully convinced in what God has said, fully convinced in the promises of God, fully convinced in what He has called us to. And I love those words that we are a people of conviction. See, the word conviction is the quality of showing that one is firmly convinced of what one believes or what one says. Those of us that are online, We're called to be a people fully convinced, fully devoted to our faith. See, our faith is something that is alive on the inside of us. It's not just something that we believe in and kind of have off to the side of our lives. No, it's something that is inside who we are, impacts every part of who we are. It brings us alive. I love a few weeks ago when we had Expansion Sunday and we had beautiful Marie up here, who we honoured, the lady that looked after community centres. And she ended up making a decision after that service and just a few, uh, for Easter, had all her grandchildren in church, just a beautiful woman. But after I got down from stage, this is what she said to me. You guys are so convinced about what you believe. It's not just an idea you have, like you are fully convinced. I'm like, yes, we're fully convinced because we have met the one that has changed us. Jesus Christ is alive, He's living within us, He is real, He is powerful. Man, He is everything to us. We are a people who are called to be fully convinced. See, I love what 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5 says. It's the Apostle Paul talking and he says, Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Yeah. With deep conviction. See, I love that our faith isn't something that we just can't compartmentalise and use when we need it like a spare room in the house that we use when it's necessary. No, it is the foundation of our house. It is our foundation to what we believe, to how we see, to what we hear, to what we do with our lives day to day, to how we walk out our lives, what comes from this mouth. It impacts every part of our lives. And you know what, to be honest, I really feel like one of the plans of the enemy over these last few years has been to rob our conviction. No, it started with the lockdowns. Just slowly chipping away at, you know what? The church isn't really that essential. Our faith isn't really that essential. And then mandates came in and the temptation there was to fight against each other rather than being in unity. He just slowly chips away at our conviction. And now there's this culture in society where you don't want to offend anybody. Can I get an amen? You don't want to be too strongly convinced in what you believe because it could offend someone, ostracise someone. And we have this whole culture at the moment where we feel like we can't, If you know, sometimes we can feel like we can't share our Gospel because that's not the culture of today. And the enemy is just slowly chipping away at our conviction. But I'm here today prophetically to say, guys, we cannot let the enemy do that. We have to be people of conviction that stand on the Word of God, that stand on what God has called us to, knowing the God that we know and knowing that He is the hope of the world. He is what our world needs. We are called to be people of Conviction, knowing what we know, and not anything will come against it. But we are called to stand with conviction and not let the stinking enemy have his way and dilute our faith. Come on, come on our, fa- our faith—it's not just—it's not just this a game that we play. It is a heaven and a hell issue. It is eternity that is in the balance. Come on, let's stand being people of conviction. And I love that Jesus led the way in this. This is an incredible passage in Luke 2, verse 41 to 49. And it's when Jesus was 12 years old and they went to the festival of the Passover. And they went there according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind him in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled there for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Can I just take a moment there for all parents in the house, just to feel good about our parenting. Like the parents of Jesus, they lost him for three days. They lost the Son of God, like the good kid. They lost him for three days. None of us can probably put up our hands and say, we've done that kind of thing. So we're good. It gives you hope. I love the Bible. Whatever, you, However you read it, it gives you hope. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and questions. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. Mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And he said these words, which is so powerful. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I had to be in my father's house. Mum and dad, why were you searching for me anywhere else? Didn't you know I had to? That conviction. I had to. There's no other option. Like Jesus, His parents were searching for Him a whole day. They went so many other places, relatives' places, where the kids played. But Jesus was found in the house of God. From the age of 12, He had this conviction of, this is where you'll find me. That age where He was starting to step into manhood. From that point, He drew a line in the sand of, this is where you're gonna find me. You're gonna find me in the Father's house, doing the Father's business. And I love that. I love that. It wasn't, he was expecting to be found there. When I play games with hide and seek with my little four-year-old boy Ezekiel, he, play, he hides in the same place every single time <laughs> under Hope's bed. And I'll say, I'm trying to find you, buddy. And he'll, he'll yell out to me, Mom, I'm under Hope's bed. <laughs> this is where you'll find me. Right. And that's kind of what Jesus was like. He's like, guys, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house doing my father's business And I feel like the same for us today. God is asking us, would we be that same people conviction? That we would be found in the Father's house doing the Father's business. That no weapon of the enemy would remove that conviction, but we would be people sold out, living for God's way, living for God's cause, living for God's mandate and how He's asked us to live. See, I love the house of God. I love that it is God's plan for the saving of humanity. I love that in Ephesians 3 verse 10, it says, His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It is God's plan to reveal heaven to earth. That is why I've devoted my life to it. Like Jesus, we could be found doing so many other things, but now this is where you'll find me you will find me in God's house doing God's business, having and being obedient to what God has asked of us. And I was so blessed to grow up in a home where from the youngest of age, that is what I remember. We were in God's house. We were about doing God's business as a family. And we grew up on a dairy farm, and this is gonna make me sound really hillbilly right now, but dad was up. Dad was up at 4am every morning on a Sunday morning to milk the cows, to get everything ready. Mum had five kids to get ready. We were in the car at like eight o'clock in the morning coming to church. Dad was on worship team. Mum was doing kids' church. It was chaotic. I remember like, just get in the car. We're getting to church. It was chaos. But we were so committed to being in God's house. There was not a Sunday we missed. There was just this conviction and mum and dad had been radically saved by Jesus. Yeah. So it was this conviction that was just out of this devotion. Jesus has so radically changed our world that this is where you're going to find me. Yeah. You're going to find me in God's house doing God's business. Yeah. See, I love that God's house, I wrote this down, is not a have to out of obligation, but it's a have to out of devotion. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We come to worship Him. Yes. Yeah. We come to serve Him. We come to love Him. Yeah. Like Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25 says, Let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, the church is just gathering to stir each other on. Like Andre and Carolina said, how beautiful is that? We drew on the church at that time our people, our family, that family of faith that we stir each other on, that we come, we are the body, each body playing their part, giving their part, that it's a beautiful reflection of unity and heaven coming to earth, that we come to serve what matters for eternity about our Father's business. You know, I love what that passage said. Some are in the habit of doing. See, I feel like there's been some habits that have been formed over this COVID season that are birthed out of, if we're to be honest, just comfort and convenience rather than conviction. And I think it's an amazing time just to assess our habits and go, you know what, are these habits about the Father's business? Are these habits about what doing what the Father wants in my life? And I know I've had to do it. You know, previously where you'd have school pickups and you'd just linger in the, in the you know, playground connecting with parents You know, we weren't allowed to do that anymore with COVID. And so you just lose that habit. And I've had to now re-engineer time just to spend with people, to reach people that are unchurched, to form new habits. Come on, what habits have been formed over COVID that you're like, you know what, I need to recheck that again. I need to just reposition that again. If I was to look at it, it's not birthed out of conviction, but a comfort and convenience. And let's not be people that lead out of that place. And I love love what Matthew Henry says. His commentary uh, was used in the Bible, and it's been used almost 300 years after his death. And he said to this friend on his deathbed, you've been used to take notice of the sayings of dying men, and this is mine, that a life spent in the service of God and communion with him it's the most pleasant life that anyone can live in this world. How beautiful is that. And I have found that to be so true in my life. When we honor him, prioritize devotion to him and what matters to him, what a life that we get to live. What a life that we get to serve. And the second thing is that Jesus, he wasn't just found in the house doing the Father's business, but he was found in the word. When parents had found him, he was questioning and conversing with the leaders about the word of God and his Jewish culture. The questions that were asked actually revealed your level of understanding. And so they were amazed at the depth of the understanding of Jesus. He was found in the Word of God. You know, we have a world that is around us today that constantly wants to undermine the Word of God, the Word of God. And we have to be people that are like, you know what? Like Jesus, this is where you'll find me. You will find me in the Word. You won't find me on social media. I may browse there. I may drift there from time to time, but I'm found in the Word. You won't find me in people's opinions. No, you'll find me in the Word of God. You won't find me where the crowd is going. No, you'll find me in the Word of God. You won't find me where my feelings are taking me. No, you'll find me in the Word of God. That we are people with that deep conviction that the Word of God is where we will be found. John 15 verse 7 says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How amazing is that when we remain in His Word, we are in Him. We have, as that verse says, we have access to the power of heaven when we are in His Word. How incredible the the creator of the heavens and the earth. When we are in Him, we are in His Word, accessing the power of heaven. Wow, what a truth. There is a power of heaven that we unlock That's why the Word of God says that we need to meditate on it, dwell on it, get it on the inside of us, because His Word is perfect. It is alive. It is powerful to defeat every single lie of the enemy. It is our greatest weapon. It is truth. It is seed, which enables a good harvest. It is food for the soul. It is life itself. And it is our blessing. The Word of God is where we need to be found. See, James 1, verse 22, verse 25. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intentionally into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. We all wanna live blessed lives, don't we? comes from being found in the Word. So what I wanna do today is just look at being people of conviction and what that looks like. And the first thing is that we take on a God conviction despite all opposition. That but God conviction, like Andre and Carolina, that no matter what is said again, no matter what doctors say, no matter what others say, we have got a God conviction. And I love Caleb was an amazing example of this in Joshua 14 verse 8. He said this, I brought back a report based on my convictions. When he was asked to go into the promised land and spy out the land, the territory that God had for them, for the Israelites, he came back, he brought a good report based on his convictions, which lined up to the Word of God. I think the challenge still remains for us today is do we remain convinced about what the Word of God has said despite all opposition? Because the two spies that had the conviction that lined up with the Word of God entered into the promise. But the 10 that just looked at the opposition around them, they missed out on the promise. And there is new territory. I say this prophetically. There is new territory that God wants you to enter into, that He wants us to enter into as a church. And that new territory is going to be accessed because we believe in the promise, because we stand on conviction knowing what God has said, that we don't look at what is opposing us, but we look with that conviction of what God has said. Come on, do we have that kind of conviction that's going to access the promise that God has for us? Because again, the enemy is subtle. All he needs to do is rob our conviction of the promise of God. And he's robbed us of it. He just needs to subtly, like he did with Eve, come alongside it. Did God really say that? Did God really say? And her, the conviction she once had was undermined by the enemy. Come on, we've got to stay true to God's conviction and not... Let the enemy undermine that conviction. We need to hold on to the Word of God with everything that we have. Romans 8 verse 21 says, He didn't tiptoe around God's promise. Asking cautiously, skeptical question, He plunged in the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what He had said. I love that, to hold on to the Word of God. A great... I think, illustration of this is when we were building our home, which was about five years ago, five or six years ago now, and we had moved over from New Zealand and had an amazing God miracle that happened there with the home. So we came over to Australia with this great deposit. And... We were looking around for property. God gave us this amazing property that we could build on. And we were so excited about this house. We had a great building company, but it was one of those building companies where you had to choose your colours based on just a little sample. Do you know what I'm talking about? Everything, your kitchen cabinetry, the colour of your walls, everything was just based on this little sample. And so I had chosen this kind of slightly off-white colour for the walls. And so I, I arrived one day to find all the painters at our house and I walked in so excited to see what the result was going to be to find that they were painting our house blue. Like, no joke. The wall, the inside walls were being painted, painted blue. And so I'm like, guys, this is not the colour that I chose. And the main boss guy is like, yeah, it is. It is here on my sheet. It's the code that you chose. This is what you chose. We were thinking that this is a pretty odd colour for a house. But this is what you've chosen. I'm not going to get new paint now. I've got all my guys on the clock. We're painting your house blue. So I'm like in tears. I'm like starting to doubt myself. I'm like, did I choose the colour blue for my house? And I knew though that I had the sample back at home that I'd used to choose the colour. And it's this sample that I still have here. I've had it very precious to my heart. This sample right here was the sample that I chose. So I went back home and I brought it back. And I said to the boss guy, he he was a very strong Greek gentleman, very strong in his convictions. And I said to him, mate, this is the sample that I chose from. This is the colour that I chose for our home, a beautiful, slightly off-white colour. As you can see, it's not blue put it up against the colour that they were painting our house with. They were very opposing colours. So he starts to swear, stuff I can't mention in church. Then he goes back to his sheet and they discover that the codes had been mixed up and changed. So he ended up apologising, going back to the company, redoing all our walls, which is an amazing thing. But you know what? I learned that day that sometimes all you have is a sample Sometimes all you have is a little something. But when it's the Word of God, when it is God's power, when it is God's truth, even though it can feel like something so small based on the opposition that we're facing, the Word of God is enough. When the enemy is trying to paint your house blue, you can turn up and be, you know what, I have my sample from the Word of God that says, you do not mess with me because I have the Word of God. Come on, do we have the Word of God that we are holding on to no matter what we are facing? Come on when temptation comes our day, our way. Well like you know what I have the word of God that says no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. When hopelessness comes across you we have the word that says your hope will not be cut off. When I'm facing fear, I have his word that says perfect love casts out all fear. When I face hardships, I have his word that says it's not about the temporary, it's about focusing on the unseen, what is eternal. Are we holding on to the Word of God with everything that we have? The second thing has been people of conviction is that we clean out the clutter. We clean out the clutter. What I love about Jesus is that He was undistracted. He was so purposeful. Actually, if I could have the team join me, please, about doing the Father's will and He would not be distracted from it. See, conviction comes because of clarity. And I think so often our conviction can be impacted because we live with clutter. And I'm not just talking about things that we can fill our lives up that distract us, but stuff that goes on internally. Whether it's unforgiveness, offense, anger, bitterness, sin, Grief, so many things can get into our heart and rob us of our conviction. And that clutter causes us to not live with the clarity that we need to. Now, when I I love a good spring clean, love cleaning out my cupboards, and when I do that, the question I'm asking is, of every single item in my cupboard or drawers, is does this add to our lives? And if it doesn't, it's thrown out. You know, sometimes we need to do that with our heart space. And she go, you know what? When it comes to our heart space, is this what's going on internally? Is it adding to my life? Because if it's not, it's providing clutter and robbing me from living in the conviction that God has called me to. Proverbs 4, verse 23, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guarding our heart is so critical. It's so important. We see a very sobering reminder of this in Numbers 20 when it talks about Moses. And God asked Moses to provide water for the Israelites. And He says to him, I want you to speak to the rock. But instead, Moses strikes the rock and he reacts out of frustration rather than standing in the conviction of what God has asked him. You know, we can... Be so the same. And I feel for Moses because you read earlier in Scripture, he'd just lost Miriam. The people were complaining yet again. he just let frustration get into his heart and because of it, it robbed him of the promise. We have to be so careful what we allow in our heart, what we allow into our heart space and aware too that it is our responsibility God has spoken to me over and over about this over the years of ministry that we've been in, about how this is the place that I need to guard. Above all else, this needs guarding. Because if I don't guard it, it's gonna rob my conviction. It's gonna rob what God is asking me to do. I remember when we had a home out in West Auckland. And one night I had a lot of girlfriends around and Craig had been out. And I went to, we had this massive backyard that had tall fences and it was pitch black and I went out the back to put rubbish in the bin and turned back round to go back inside. And there was this huge guy just standing there with a hoodie over his face and giggling to himself. And I thought honestly, in that moment, I was like, okay, my worst nightmare is about to take place. Like, and I always thought in that kind of moment, like you'd just freeze and not be able to do anything about it, not be able to move whatsoever. But the opposite thing happened. There was just this righteous anger that rose up in me. I ended up yelling at him. I'm like, what are you doing here? This is my house. You don't belong here. And so I slammed, I ran inside past him, slammed the door, locked it. I was looking for knives. I would have castrated him. I would have done whatever was necessary to defend myself because it was my house. And God has often reminded me about that when it comes to this house. You know what? The enemy may try to bring things against me, but this is my house. And I'm gonna protect it with everything that I have. And I have authority to protect it. I have authority to stand knowing this is my house. And when I do that, I get to stand in the conviction that God has called me to. come on, why don't we stand to our feet? We're just going to take a moment right now just to have heart space with God, just to allow God just to deal with anything that we know has just gotten in the way internally that is robbing us of our conviction. And just before I do that, I just love as well just to take a moment, and just ask every person here, how is your relationship with Jesus doing? Because to be a people of conviction, to stand on the Word of God, to stand knowing what He has called us to, we've got to be people that know Him as our Lord and our God and our personal Saviour. And if you haven't yet made that decision to acknowledge Him as God, to say, Jesus, I need you, then right where you stand, and we're just gonna pray a prayer, and that prayer gets your life right with God. For those of you that are online, this prayer is for you as well. We're just gonna right now have a moment to get our lives right with Jesus. Maybe you once made this decision, but other things have got in the way, and you know you're not living with that conviction. So right across this room, while every eye is closed and head about if that's you today and you wanna pray a prayer, getting your life right with Jesus, for all those that are online, that is for you. Why don't you just lift your hand and say, hey, that's me. I know today I need to get my life right with Jesus. Fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. So awesome. All those that are online, it's a moment as well for you just to lift your hands to heaven and say, hey, that's me today. Jesus, I make that decision to make you my God, to make you my Lord. Why don't we pray this prayer to me? Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask you to be my God, to be my Lord. I'm sorry for my wrongs. I want a new start in you. I give you my life. I ask you to be my God, to be my Saviour, that I would know your love, your joy and your peace. In Jesus' Name, everybody says, Amen. 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 We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message you always have a place to call home here at life and we invite you to join us for our sunday services at our melbourne campus if you're not in melbourne then join us for church online wherever you are in the world just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more